American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time to When the words all come down, like blues on Tuesdays come down. Throw it all away. Throw it all away. Okay. All right. Welcome, Welcome to, to another, another episode, episode of, of American, American Timelines. I'm Amy. And I am Amy's husband. That's Joe. History for Jerks is the greatest podcasting duo in American history. All right. And this Amy and her husband. Because this is International Women's Day, we're recording on this, so I don't even get a name. You are Amy, a powerful woman, and I'm just a no-name dude. You're just one of the riffraff. Yep, because it's International Women's Day. Men don't deserve names. True. That's very true. And this is the podcast that brings you all the interesting, crazy facts in nostalgia in the past. And we do it year by year. She doesn't mean facts like a fax machine. No. F-A-C-T-S. Yeah, but eh, are they really facts? And we've been lately just taking a chunk of a year. Yeah. Chunk. Like a chunk out of a, a... uh, a dog barf, like a dog barf chunk. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you have dogs at home, but we do. We have two, and you can always hear them tapping around in the background. And they have uh, barfs come in chunks. And what have, are you talking have, about? <laughs> well, you said a chunk. We uh, uh, chunks of years. It reminds me of our dog's barf. Because all right, we, have, we don't need to. Have, know, we just we need people to know that we have one dog that threw up this week, and then the second dog. Uh, was determined to eat that barf like so much that we cleaned it up and put it in the trash can <laughs> and hid it in a bathroom all day. And then as soon as that door was open, that a second dog got in there and got in that trash and spread it everywhere. And just ate to eat all that barf. the barf. Very Ugh. determined to eat the yeah, other dog's true. barf. So even if you don't just let the dog eat the other dog's barf, they're going to find they're a gonna way. They're going to do it anyway. They're going to so find just, a way come hell or high water. There's that feeling as a, a dog owner when a dog barfs everywhere. You don't really want to clean it. And you see it just kind of eating it and you're like oh i shouldn't let them do that oh god but it's way easier if they do because then you don't have to clean it up but oh that's but, terrible but i'm here to say now that you know you've all done it before yeah. just because it's easier oh well there's no barf oh there wasn't any barf i didn't see any barf i guess i just was seeing things okay yeah and deep down you know there was barf and you let your dog eat it yep but let me tell you don't feel bad anymore because whether or not you let them eat it they're gonna get it somewhere they're gonna tear it up in the trash and eat it later Oh, it's so gross. So and then you'll have trash and barf mess everywhere. Yeah, and, that's true. And the dog will still eat it. So just let the dog eat the barf. Lessons in yes. dog ownership. The more you know. Do you think, is PETA going to come after us? <laughs> like, is Probably. That, is, that a, is that abuse, dog abuse? They want to do it. I know. They can't they wait want to, to eat it. You're making them happy. It's, it's not abuse. You're right. It's like a hot meal. Yeah, they want to. <laughs> gross. <laughs> they can't wait to eat barf. I know. It really is something if you think about it. And they'll eat anyone's barf. They'll eat other dog barf. Yeah, we don't. We can stop barf. talking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this anybody's saying it for this. This is the dog barf podcast. 1979, the year of the dog barf. Okay. So anyway, we are so, talking about 1979. Yeah. So uh, in case you missed the recap of the podcast, um, we talk about murders because Amy likes true crime. True crime is dumb and I hate it, but she likes it, so I had to let her do it. Um, this was supposed to be a pro wrestling podcast, but Amy won't. No, I'm vetoing let me talk that. Pro wrestling. Uh, although Greg the Hammer Valentine was the year's best villain, the most hated wrestler in 1979, so we got to put that in there again. Um, <sighs> so it is a pro wrestling podcast. It's a pop culture podcast. We talk about the top, the number one songs on the Billboard chart. We talk about movies, um, and we're going to go ahead and start with Amy. Yes. As a story, just to start off this episode. Yes, mine comes up right at the top here. Episode 55. I'm going to tell you about what is known as the mainline murders. The mainline murders? Somebody's mainline in meth? No, I think it's two words. Okay, so Ardmore, Pennsylvania, 1979. Okay. Susan Reinert was this 
a mousy English teacher in her 30s. Sounds like a mousy English she teacher. She had big, name. giant glasses. <laughs> I, I know. totally thought you were going to say big, giant boobs. No. <laughs> I thought you were excited because you love big, giant glasses. I do love big, giant glasses probably <laughs> more than big, giant boobs. Yes. But I just, you like I just, big, giant glasses on big, giant boobs. That's I, your favorite thing. I love it when people put glasses on their boobs. <laughs> It doesn't happen often. I really, you know what I like more than that is when people put glasses on their dicks. All right. Like, <laughs> All right. I don't know why. Um, uh, okay, so she she's wears big giant glasses. Big giant glasses, she's, mousy lady. She named is Susan. in the mainline suburbs. This is about 20 minutes from Philadelphia. Oh, 20 minutes from Philadelphia. So she's married. She's got two children. Oh, she married, and the guy we're not going to name because it's International Women's Day, so he doesn't even get a name. But she's having an affair. Oh, wow. This mousy little big glasses woman's yes. having an affair? Good with, for with her. the chair of the English department. In honor of International Women's Day, women get to bang whoever they want. Yeah, the um, the chair, he was this guy with this beard, real heavy beard, tweed vests with the patches on wait, the wait, elbows. Wait, 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 wait. Heavy guy with a beard or a heavy a guy with a heavy beard? A guy with a heavy beard. Oh, okay. He wears tweed yeah, like he's, every English he's professor like, does. Yeah, Um. And this was at Upper Marion High School. His Upper name Marion. is Bill Bradfield. Bill Bradfield. Yes. They called him a pseudo-intellectual. He was real full of himself. He was real charming. Okay. He was also 10 years older than Susan. Okay. 10 years older than Susan? Mm-hmm. Real charming. Real full of himself. Right. Can you be both of those things, really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. By okay. March of 1979, Susan had left her husband... And she starts telling all her friends that Bill is going to marry her. Oh, uh, back in March, like when, uh, wait, he's, wait, he's left, she's left her husband. Mm-hmm. By March. Oh, by March, back when like Three Mile Island disaster was happening, when the Bee Gees tragedy was the number one song? Yeah. The, okay. Yep. So... Um, she's she's got Bill's gonna marry her. She's madly in love with him. Madly. She gives Bill a twenty five thousand dollar loan. Oh. When he tells her of this in, of, of an investment opportunity. That sounds sounds legit. Checks so, out. So she's got these two kids, Karen, who's eleven, and Michael, who's ten. Oh, Karen and Michael, those were names in the seventies. Yes. Um, so she makes Bill the beneficiary of her life insurance policy, yeah. and it's over. $750,000. That's a lot of money, but I don't see any problems there. Bill seems like a stand-up guy, big beard. He doesn't mind when she puts her giant glasses on her giant boobs. She she cuts her children out of the policy. Oh. She changes her will to make Bill the sole beneficiary. Oh, now this doesn't seem right. Yeah. So, um... My spider sense is starting to tingle. Meanwhile... Bill is have is living with another woman who he's been living with for years. Oh no, and she knows this. She's also a teacher at the high school at the school. Oh boy, that's not good. It's a love triangle now. He had told this woman that he was spending time with Susan for quote poetry research. Oh well, that checks out. And um and he also had at least two other girlfriends at the time. One was an eighteen year old former student. Whoa, man, this guy's getting some action. Action. That's not something to look up to. No, it's not something to aspire to. It's not something to be proud of. So the $25,000 he said he was investing had gone into a safe deposit box that was put there by one of his girlfriends. And the term on the safe deposit box was ending soon, so this girlfriend was expecting this money. Okay. June 22nd, 1979. Oh, you mean the same day that Little Richard quit rock and roll? For religious pursuits? Oh, he did? Yeah, he did. On June 22nd, 1979, he said, I'm quitting! <laughs> That's a pretty good, a pretty good uh, impression of, of him, <laughs> of little Richard. Do. Yeah. You know? Um, yes. So, that same night, okay. there's this crazy hailstorm. Oh, crazy hailstorm. The same night Little Richard quits rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And something. And, and the hailstorm, I assume, is in Pennsylvania? Yes. And this a neighbor sees them leaving their house just after 9 p.m. The, the, he, she sees the kids outside trying to collect the hailstones, and then they get dashed into the car, and um, they were planning on meeting Bill somewhere. Beautiful Bill. But they vanish. 
They vanish. They vanish. The kids vanish? Everybody vanishes. Everybody vanishes. Yes. So three days later, June 25th. Yes. Uh, that's probably... There's probably some the Bee Gees going on the radio at that time. That's probably the same day the Bee Gees uh, decided to tape all their dicks together. Okay. So um, this man calls the police about a sick woman in the trunk of a car in the oh. parking lot of the Host Inn in uh, Swarta Township. Wow, Swarta Township, y'all. Yes. A sick woman. This is about 90 miles away. trunk of a car. About 90 miles away. Wow. In the trunk of her car, which was an orange Plymouth Horizon hatchback. A Plymouth Horizon? An orange one? An orange one, yes. My dad had a Plymouth. Oh, really? We grew Maybe up. Maybe it was the same one. No, it was Was there silver. ever a woman found in the wheel well uh, of the either, trunk of uh, the car? Tw- uh, twice. But uh, <laughs> we had a, a silver. It was a silver Plymouth Horizon with a red leather or plo po le- not leather like plastic or was it plush it was like remember when the plush interiors yeah it wasn't so plush ugly. but it was like pleather or something yeah like it was supposed to be leather but it wasn't leather but uh my dad had yeah my dad had like, get in the horizon you know go, get in the horizon my brother and i would fight over the front seat was it a hatchback so yeah. you had a way back you didn't want to both sit in the way back? It was too little. It was oh. like a little hatchback. It's like the size oh. of my hatchback. Oh, okay. And my, my Prius. It was a small. Oh, okay. That's what a horizon looks like. Oh, okay. So, um, Get in the horizon. So uh, they they go and they investigate and they find Susan. She's dead. She's in the oh, wheel well. Oh, she died. She's in the wheel well in the trunk. And she's in, in the, the wheel well. That's not very big in a plain horizon. She's nude. So they stuffed her naked body in there? Yeah, she's been severely beaten. Two black eyes. She'd been beaten with a chain and was chained up. Oh. And it, they they left bruises on her back. Oh, no. The chains did. Are her glasses intact? Do we I, know? I, I don't know if they, her glasses were in there. The, she was, you didn't do any glasses checks. Yeah. But she was Big killed glasses. by an injection of morphine. Oh. And, tw- and they said she was killed 24 to 36 hours after the beating in which she had been killed. So... She she endured this beating for 24 to 36 hours, I guess, is what you that means. You said she was killed 36 hours after she was killed. After the beating. I don't know. I don't know what So the what morphine killed her. Yeah, the morphine killed her. But that wasn't injected until after she was beaten up. Really that's bad. right. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what you're trying to say. Yes. And there's no sign of the children anywhere. Oh, no. So Bill was the main suspect. Well, I would say... He had been denying the affair to everybody at the high school who would listen. Yeah. Um, and then He was saying, like, why would I be having an affair with that mousy little mm-hmm. lady with big glasses? That's when, basically what he was saying. When I got an 18-year-old girlfriend, I got this other girl, I got this girl. They also found out about the money, but he had an alibi for when she went missing. Huh. He, he was at the beach in Cape May, New Jersey, with a bunch of other teachers, and they vouched for him. Uh... uh well, I guess this is beach going time, so Yes. So a few years go out. by oh. and there's still not enough evidence to charge him with Susan's death years and missing go by, children. This guy is just scot free. The kids are still missing. Yes. And they did charge him with theft by deception because of the twenty five thousand dollars. He deceived her, like he tricked her into making mm-hmm, because him it turned out to be a, a bogus investment. Did he, did he collect the money? Well, because she se- signed him over to everything. Seventy-two hours before his trial was supposed to begin, from his jail cell, Bill filed a claim to collect Susan's life insurance money. Wait, I thought they didn't. I thought they didn't convict him or anything. No, for theft by deception. Oh, the theft by deception. They put him in jail. He yeah. got jail time for that. And he and he tried to con- collect the life insurance from oh. jail. Well, at that point, why not? So the jury finds him guilty. In 1981, he's sentenced to two years in jail for the $25,000. That's it? Yep. During this time, police are also investigating someone else. For the so, murder? Yes. This is the craziest shit. Just, okay. Just let me tell you. I'm ready for a crazy ride. All right. The principal of the high school where Susan and Bill were, okay. were teaching, his name was Dr. J. Smith. J? Isn't he just was J? 50 years old. Okay, 50-year-old man. He was known as a creepy school principal and the prince of darkness. That's what people would call him. Well, okay. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. But how many people, raise your hand, listeners, wherever you are. Just raise your hand. We can see you. Don't worry. We can see into your vehicles. We can see into your bedroom and your shower. Raise your hand right now if you're listening. If you had a creepy principal, either through high school or middle school. Yeah. Oh, yep, yep. Okay. 
Bill, well, Bill, raise your hand. Um, the Sorry. crime writer Joseph Wambaugh said Wambaugh. that some thought that Jay Smith looked like an obscene phone call. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. If a, an obscene phone call was personified. No, but seriously, I'm, I'm not joking about this whole thing. I've had, I had probably three creepy principals. Really? Not two. Yeah. Yeah, Ken Porter. Sorry, he was from my middle school. He's now he just looked like exactly like the principal from head of the class. Okay. Anyway, everybody has creepy principals sometimes. I had a really great one though, Myrna Holland. So he was known. This guy was known to sit in his office during school hours in his underwear. Oh, okay. And because this was 1979. Yeah, that's the thing. Let's let's that's like you know, right now that would not be acceptable. But in the 70s, pretty much all principals were in their underpants all the time. Yeah. And it was cool because it was the 70s. And there was rumors that Principal Smith had devil worship parties. And had buried bodies, had burned bodies in the school incinerator and buried chopped up body parts where they were building the school pool. In his defense, <laughs> uh, the school administrators never said that was a frowned upon yeah. thing to do. They never said that, they, that, that he couldn't bury chopped up body parts yes, under the pool. They never said that and they never said he couldn't have devil worship parties. That's right. And Smith's own kids had disappeared in 1978. Oh. They were heroin addicts and Uh-oh. they had vanished. Um, they have never been found. Heroin addicts. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So, a year before Susan's body is found, Smith was caught trying to break into cars in a mall parking lot. <laughs> the principal of the school? Yes. On him, <laughs> on him are four loaded guns, Whoa. as well as a silencer made mm. from an oil filter, a tranquilizing oh. drug, and a hood with eye holes. <laughs> okay, now that sounds incriminating. All those things sound incriminating, but this is the 70s, and yes. nobody told him that any of this was frowned upon things to just have. Now, when the, his house was searched, police found swinger, swinger publications, bestiality porn, and chains and locks. It's getting worse yeah. for this guy. Uh, I'm, it's getting harder to defend him, but I'm going to go ahead and just say he's a principal of the school. Yes principles maybe shouldn't be oh it could be argued maybe shouldn't be a principal of a school yeah, but once you reach principal status you're pretty much you're, untouchable yeah i mean that's and whatever you do from now on is fine because mm-hmm. you're a principal well his wife said he had a devil cost- his wife his, <laughs> what? yeah his wife said he had a devil costume and a collection of dildos I hope the devil costume was just like the one from Saturday Night Live that John Lovett wore. I hope the, with the, I hope the devil costume was horns. the collection of dildos. I, I hope no, that was the, it was <laughs> the same thing. A devil costume made out of dildos. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. And she's cool with him having a bunch of dildos. Well, it was the 70s, she said, and and Pretty Baby was accepted. Um, and then they also found a fake, a fake Brinks security badge, which they later tied to a $50,000 armed robbery at Sears a year earlier. Oh, my God. So this is getting worse. By the this poor guy. Poor, who's the first guy? The poor in, guy. In jail, Jim? Bill. Bill? Yeah, poor Bill. So he's arrested. And Bill's let out immediately? Well... But Bill still did something shady. Is Bill involved with this guy? Somehow? Well, when Bill, when he was, when Brooks he went to trial for the Sears robbery. Bill did? No. When Dr. The Principal Smith went Jay to Smith, trial yeah. for the Sears robbery, right. Bill gave Smith an alibi. He testified on the stand, and he gave Smith an alibi, oh. And but the jury didn't believe him, and Susan even had said she didn't know if she believed him. She didn't believe Bill. His Him saying that. So and Bill so, and Jay um, are working so together then. He's found guilty and was given five years in prison for Jay, Jay yeah, principal, the principal. For the robbery. For the, the robbery. For the a robbery of the Brinks truck. So he's free on bail while he's awaiting sentencing. Okay. His his date at court, which he was late to, was June twenty fifth, the day Susan's body was found. Oh. So he he's in jail. He was free on bail. He was free on bail when she died. Yes. Yes. So he was... So... Okay. And she was found early that morning in a parking lot about 15 minutes from where Smith was staying. Oh, shit. That dude did it for sure then. So under Susan's body, when they found her... Yeah. They found a sex toy and a plastic comb with Smith's Army Reserve Unit number on it. Oh, what? Well, shit. In that horizon? Under her body. In the Plymouth horizon? Yes. Under the body? Okay. For listeners at home that don't know how big a Plymouth Horizon is, it's not big. Yeah. It's like the size of a Prius, like smaller than a Prius. Like it's like a, it's it's like the size of a 
Dodge Colt. Yeah, like a Colt or uh, something small. Like what's some like a Volkswagen Beetle? Like it's it's mm-hmm. small. So the hatchback is not huge. Yeah. So where the hell her body had to be really stuffed. Yeah, down in into there, down in there in the wheel well, just a little small part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she was a small person, but uh, and then for dildos to be stuck <laughs> under there too, like. <laughs> Like, you can't fit more than just dildos, usually. You can't fit more, maybe five, six dildos tops in the back of a horizon. Oh, yeah. My dad's horizon, he only could fit about ten dildos and without any dead bodies. Then he could do the the, gun rack on the top and the rest of them. Oh, he always had to remove his dildos if he wanted to put anything else back there. Right, exactly. So, um, almost four years later. Four years later. Bill Bradfield. Now we're in the 80s, right? Huh? Yeah. Bill Bradfield was charged with the three murders. So Bill was. Bill was. So in April 6, 1983. Oh, the same day that Chris Pratt was born? Yes. The same day that oh God. the Fall Guy was on? Yes. And on that episode of Fall Guy, uh, Colt Seaver has to try to find a guy who is a master of disguise, and he's stolen some money. And also the same day Facts of Life is on, and both Blair and Joe are accepted to the prestigious Langley College. However, Joe decides she's not going to go because of the cost and the financial burden it would put on her mother, who was already working multiple jobs just to put Joe through Eastland. Um, isn't Colt Seaver a stupid name? Like, that sounds like a name of a character from Saturday Night Live. You take that back. I do. Colt Seaver is a great name. So, so, Colt Seaver, bro. In, in April 6, 1983, there was this other teacher who had taught with everybody at that school. Okay. And he had felt conned by Bill. Like, you know, Bill con- kind of conned everybody because he was charming, but then yeah, this teacher... Yeah, guys. You all listen to him. That's why everybody listens to me. This teacher decided, so just started thinking he thought Bill had done it. Yeah. So he became a key witness in the trial. He thought Bill did it even though Jay is on the scene? Yeah. The principal? He told them that for months before Susan's death, Bill was telling everybody that he thought that Jay Smith was going to kill Susan. Ah. Huh. And then, um, but it was really odd. He and, and he also had said he got a gun to protect her. Bill got a gun to protect her? That's what he was telling everybody. Hmm. So, in 1986, while in prison for the armed robbery, Smith was convicted of conspiring with Bill to kill the Reinhardt family. Yeah, that sounds more right to me. And they pointed fingers at each other, and Smith got given de- the death penalty. Why did they got to kill the kids, though? Six years later, in 1992... Wait, Smith got the death penalty, but not Bill? Right, yes, that's okay. correct. Um, six years later, in 1992, an antique dealer was hired to clean out the attic of the main state detective involved in the Reinert murders. In the attic, they found a box containing a duplicate of the comb found under Susan. Investigative notes were contradicting court testimony and adhesive lifters with grains of sand and quartz from the bottom of Susan's feet. And that was never turned over to the defense. But that could have proved that maybe Susan was in the New Jersey Beach area. Yeah, where he was. In 1992, you mean the same year that Doink the Clown showed up in WWF? Yeah, you don't even know if that's true. Yeah, 92. Uh, Smith's defense, I've been watching the WWE Network. Smith's defense attorney says this could have placed the murders at the Jersey Shore and, ex- and it exonerated Smith. So six years later, Smith was released in 1992. Oh, wait, Bill was at the beach. They, um, Smith, they had overturned his death penalty, and because they found that box of evidence in that, a- in that attic, yeah. it became, it, it, they had to throw out the whole entire conviction. Oh. So he got out. They, had, they knew he did it, but they had to let him go. Yeah. Because of that. Um, the tape of the 911 call. What is it? They found all that stuff in Bill's attic. No, in, in, in the detective's attic that worked on the case. Oh, he had all that evidence that he and was he didn't, hiding. And he didn't turn over any of it to the defense, so it was a mistrial. Or it mm. was, they threw out his conviction because of it. So The, the principal's conviction. Yes, the principal yeah, went gotcha. free. So the tape of the 911 call was mistakenly destroyed. Um, her body was accidentally cremated, and the autopsy audio tape was lost you, until after the trial. How do you accidentally cremate somebody? Yeah, I know. Foul play. So 
this was be, had become the biggest investigation in the history of Pennsylvania. Books and wow. a miniseries were based on this case. What's the case called? The Mainline Murders. The Mainline Murders. Bill died in prison in 1998. Smith oh. died as a free man. Wow. Both maintained their innocence until their death. Wow. Bill's cell after he died was being cleaned out and a photograph was found in his belongings and it showed an angel stone marker that resembled a hooded figure surrounded by falling leaves in some random woods. Huh, that's weird. It had been processed in 1984 before he went to prison. Some think it's the photo of the kids' graves, but investigators oh. haven't been able to find it. Oh, boy. And that is the story of the mainline murders. Oh, that's creepy and unsettling. Well, it's just so weird. That whole pr principal part, is, to me, is so weird. That guy adds a big... I think he did it still. I think they both did it together. Yeah. Somehow. But I why think, were they... I think Bill probably said, I'll split the money with you. How are both of those guys... Well, I guess they're not the same school. Yeah, they were. No, the, the principal of the, was of the school where the woman that went missing, Susan... Well, and... and so the other guy was an English professor in no, town, right? They were. They all went to the same school. They all... It they was all, all the same, the same school, school. The same high school. That's creepy. Yeah. Oh, I thought the other guy was a college professor. No, they all taught at the same high school. What a fucked up high school. What if that was your school? I know. And all that shit happened. First, the principal gets... What was the school? It's called Main... It was called Upper Marion High School. Upper Marion High School in... Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Ardmore, Pennsylvania, which I don't know what part of the country or the state I said state it was 20 is. minutes from Philadelphia. Yeah, but I don't know which way. Oh. Philadelphia. What, what difference Do you know make? where Philadelphia is if you look at Pennsylvania? No. Philly is closer to the You're going to sound real dumb. Because Pittsburgh is the west. Because it's, it's by Ohio, I think. So it's more eastern, I think. But anyway, I, that's neither here nor there. What I'm asking is our listeners... If any of our listeners went to that school in the 70s, yes, right. uh, tweet us at History for Jerks and just let us know like how fucked up that was. Or if you might know, if you have a lead yeah. on this case. It's not that old from 79, no. so it's what? Not that old. 40. Whatever you say. Years ago. <laughs> it's terrible. No. Can't do math this late at night. No, it is 40. I know that's right. I'm just laughing because that's 40 is a long time ago. It is. Like, if you graduated high school 40 years ago. You'd be pretty old. You're old now. You're an old prick that shouldn't be listening to our podcast. Hey. What? We got elderly people that listen to this podcast. Nobody has graduated 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. yeah Your mom and my mom both graduated longer than oh, that. Oh, but they didn't live in Pennsylvania. That's true. And they hate all Pennsylvanians, our parents. Do they? Don't they? I don't think. Um, speaking of number one songs on the Billboard chart, um, the oh, number ring ones, my bell! Yeah, starting with June thirtieth, nineteen seventy nine, is where we kind of left off in the last episode. Saturday, June thirtieth, Anita Ward takes over the number one spot. Just as Amy said, it's a nineteen seventy nine disco song written by Frederick Knight, originally written for the then eleven year old Stacy Lattisaw. Oh wow! Well the you know voice is, is so high. No, but it's such a high-pitched song. It was supposed to be a teeny bopper song about kids talking on the telephone. When Lattisaw signed with a different label, though, Anita Ward was asked to sing it instead, and it became her only major hit. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought she had more than one. This is the only major. She might have had some minor hits. Yeah. I like this one. My bell. You know, uh, Will Smith did this song, redid this song. Oh, did he? Is a terrible rap song. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Will Smith's a terrible rap artist. Wait. Did What did you just I say to Will me? I said Will Smith is a terrible rap what artist. What did you just say on our podcast? That is not allowed. Name one song that he did that was good. Um, uh, Nightmare on My Street? <laughs> Rock the House with Ready Roxy? No. Uh, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper? No, those are all probably bad. Uh, uh, girls ain't uh, girls ain't nothing but trouble. All right, we're moving on. Girls are the world ain't nothing but trouble. I don't know why we're talking about Will Smith, anyways. All right, what's next? Oh man, uh, what about? Oh god, there's so many of them. Parents just don't understand. <sighs> Crappy. 
We hit McDonald's. We ordered two Big Macs and two large fries to go. <laughs> she kicked her shoes off onto the floor. She said, drive fast, beat turns me on. She put a hand on my knee, put a foot on the gas. We almost got whiplash, cooked off so fast. The roof was open. The music was flying. It's can we, are we going to so cut all this out and post? Let's cut all this out and post, In please. post? You just like to yeah. say post? Yeah. Uh, what about Boom Shake the Room? The f- 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 princess who I am. So tell my mother that I've ever made a white right. jam. So Will you stop, please? I'm getting nervous and start to stutter. I f-f-f-f-m every f-f-f-f-what I utter. So I just try to chill. It gets whisper, but whisper, but worse still. I need the kicking crowd. All right, this is going on way too long. This is not a karaoke podcast. It is when you say Will Smith isn't a great rapper. All right. What Hopefully wild, you will cut West. all that out. Wild, That's ridiculous. All right. Enough. What about getting jiggy with it? Remember that? Enough. It's not enough. You it take is. it back. You take it back. Getting jiggy with it. All right. Maybe we had one good song. No, no, no. One. Getting jiggy with it. All right. It's Summertime. Here it is. The groove. Okay. Stop. Tell me he's great. No. We're moving Say on. It. Say he's great. This is not entertaining to anybody. It is to me. On July 1st, 1979, it was a Sunday. Yep. The A new product mm-hmm. was on the market. And the quote about this product from Akio Morita, the chairman of Sony, said, this is the product that will satisfy those young people who want to listen to music all day. The Walkman. The Sony Walkman. Yes. Yeah. Did you have a Walkman? Yes, I had a yellow one. You had a yellow one. Mm-hmm. I had a black one. Yeah. My brother and my brothers and I all had the same kind of one. We had the headphones. I remember we had headphones with the orange, mm-hmm. the orange uh, foam, fu- foam yeah. on them. Everybody had those, and the Walkman was the thing. It would clip on your belt, yep. and you'd walk. I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere without my Walkman. Yeah. And Walked you had your tape in it. Yeah, I had a tape. I had definitely a bunch of mixed tapes. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Most of mine had the Fat Boys on it. A lot of mine were from the radio. It was like yeah, taped off the radio. Yeah, off the radio, yeah. You tried to get where the D, cut off the DJ. Yeah, and it was always hard because it mm-hmm. always talks through everything like dumbasses, yep. you know. Yep. Um, yep. And then and that same day, a mummified bison named Blue Babe was discovered in Alaska. Really? While preparing the specimen for display, the research team decided to stew and eat part of the mummy's neck. To Ew. celebrate the accomplishment. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. What? It was it was a 36,000-year-old mummy that they found of us. Male step, steppy bison. Uh, and they ate which it? Which was discovered north of Fairbanks, Alaska. Yep. It was noticed by a gold miner who named the mummy Blue Babe for Paul, Bun- Paul Bunyan's mythical giant ox. Yeah. And it was permanently turned blue because it was uh, when he was buried to the horns in a blizzard. Uh, yeah, and they ate it. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, uh, and they were fine. Ew. They ate a 36,000-year-old piece of meat. And they were fine. And they were all fine, yeah. Oh, God. That's gross. Yeah, they ate just a portion of the I wonder how big it neck. was. They stewed it and dined on it to celebrate the accomplishment. Uh, does it say how big it was? You can still... No, it, you, uh, I mean, sure was it, it huge? Yeah, it was a bison. It was... Uh, I mean, was it bigger than a regular bison? Is what it, I'm trying it's, to say. It's on permanent display at the University of Alaska. Because you know how prehistoric animals are bigger and bigger. Yeah, but I think it's just a bison. Oh, okay. So I don't know. It's not like a woolly mammoth or anything like that. No, but a thirty. But it's got to be cool to say that I ate a thirty-six thousand-year-old piece of meat and then I, I shit it, it out. I wouldn't do it. I would save the turd and be like, oh, that was a turd Ew. from eating a 36,000-year-old. Maybe it had corn on it, too. You could say that. The corn was a couple hours old, too. Well, but maybe the corn was eaten by the bison, and then you ate corn. Like, yeah. Because you recycle your corn. And then Wednesday, July 11th, 1979, NASA's Skylab fell to Earth in Esperance, Western Australia. Oops. The Shire of Esperance fined NASA $400 for littering. Which went unpaid for 30 years huh. until a radio host raised the money and paid it on behalf of NASA. The San huh. Francisco Examiner offered a $10,000 prize for the first place of the Skylab, for the first piece of the Skylab station to be delivered to their offices. A 17-year-old Stan Thornton scooped a few pieces of Skylab off the roof of his home in Esperance, Australia, flew to San Francisco, and collected the prize. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Stan Thornton, y'all. That's an entrepreneur there. Yeah, it is. How he heard that, I don't know, because it's a radio. Thursday, July 12th, 1979, Disco Demolition Night was an ill-fated oh, boy. baseball promotion. Do you know this? Yes. On July 12th, 1979 at Comiskey Park in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. At the climax of the event, a crate filled with disco records was blown up on the field between games of the Twy Night Doubleheader between the Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. Many of those in attendance had come to see the explosion rather than the games mm -hmm. and rushed onto the field after the detonation. The playing field was so damaged by the explosion and by the fans that the White Sox were required to forfeit the second game to the Tigers. Well, and it was like... You got you got in for free if you brought a disco record. Oh, okay. So they all so, but they didn't. Everybody brought that. But they didn't collect them. So all these people were in the stands with these disco records, and they started flinging them out into the <laughs> we'll put field. Them out there, cool. Oh, that's cool. And then, and then it just went into pandemonium. Like it was, it was, it was Steve Dahl. Remember Steve Dahl? Yeah, Steve Dahl. He's the one who did it in in like Chicago. There was like major injuries and stuff and. It was ridiculous. You all right there? It wasn't just ridiculous. It was goddamn ridiculous. Yes, it was. Yeah, I've been to a Chicago White Sox-Detroit Tigers game, but not that one. Not that one. And then Saturday, July 14th, 1979, old Anita Hill is not on the billboard charts It wasn't anymore. Anita Hill. Yeah. Anita Hill was from Clarence Thomas. It oh, was yeah. Anita Ward. Anita Ward gets pushed off the number one spot. On the Billboard charts by your favorite. Oh, yeah. A young lady named Donna, Donna Summer. Summer. Mm -hmm. This is Bad Girls. The inspiration for Summer to write the song came after one of her assistants was a It's friend. loud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beep, beep. It's uh, still pretty loud, but... One of her assistants was offended by a police officer who thought she was a street prostitute. Don, they thought Donna Summer was a street prostitute? No, they thought her... This song, the inspiration for Summer to write this song, came after one of her assistants was offended by a police officer who thought she was a street prostitute. Oh. A rough version of the song had originally been written a couple of years before its release. Casablanca Records founder Neil Bogart, upon hearing it, wanted Summer to give it to Cher for her upcoming album, but Summer said, fuck that. Yeah, really. And she refused and put it away for a couple of years. And That's a good one. And came her song, Bad Girl. I like this one. You ask yourself. Did we get to the hook yet? I don't no. Think we did. Bad Girl. There you go. All right. Friday, July 27, 1979, the Amityville Horror, second grossest, second highest grossing movie, mm -hmm. the Amityville Horror. Now, did you That's see that right. movie? Yes. It's really dumb. But it's based on something we talked about in a previous episode, correct? Yes. It based on the, the movie wasn't done well? Based on the Lutzes that moved into the DeFeo house after remember Ronnie DeFeo killed his Butch Butch DeFeo killed his family Butch. and then Yeah, this is the second highest grossing movie. It made eighty six million dollars. Newlyweds move into a large house where a mass murder was committed and experienced strange manifestations which drive them away. Starring do you know stars? Marco Ketter, yep. James Brolin, right? Yep, and Rod Steiger. Okay, that's the one I couldn't remember. James Brolin was hesitant when he was first offered the role of George Lutz. He was told that there was no script and that he must obtain a copy of Jay Anson's novel and read it as soon as possible. Brolin started the book one evening at 7 o'clock and was still reading it at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm, he couldn't put it down. Couldn't put it down. It was a real page turner. He had hung a pair of his pants up in the room earlier and at a really tense part of the book. The pants fell down from wherever they had been hanging, and Brolin jumped out of his chair, nearly crashing his head into the ceiling, 
it was then that Brolin said, there's something to this story, and he agreed to the, do the movie. And then the haunted pants were put in the haunted... The haunted pants were, were floating haunted. in everywhere. They were haunted, shit-filled pants. And they, they did a little dance. And his underpants were filled with turds because he shat himself. Like James Brolin, star Margot Kidder also went on record saying she did not believe the Annabelle's Amityville story. Oh. Due to all the unwanted fame the book and film had brought upon the real house in Amityville, the current owners have replaced the evil eyes windows with normal rectangular-shaped windows. Yes, I've heard that. And because the movie was made on a relatively modest budget, James Brolin took less money up front, but with a promise of 10% of the gross sales after its release. After the movie became an unexpected blockbuster, yeah. at that time it was in the top 10 of all time, he eventually received about 7 million dollars. Wow, that made him. James Brolin, and then he went on to star in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> and then Friday, August 10th, 1979, Michael Jackson released Off the Wall, his fifth solo studio album. Oh, boy. Here that we was, go. That was before he started sticking his fingers in <laughs> children's butts. How do you know? I watched part of the HBO That's what he special. did? That was one of the things. Oh, boy. That was on night one of the two night special, but I guess there was a lot of other things he did. Yeah, it was oh. terrible things he did. I'm pretty sure he did it. Is that before? How do you know this was before he did that? I think because the kids that came forward are all kids that were like... In the, 80, the yeah, they 80s. Were, yeah, it was age of the 90s. He was their his buddy. Oh. Now, Bill Maher, I was listening to him today. Yeah. He says you don't have to stop liking the music because the music is beyond the p- person who Yeah, that's made what it. I think because then you'd have to, I mean, if if you went through all of history, there's like classical music that's done. Well, that's like what somebody said on, he, they said yeah. Leonardo da Vinci had like a 12-year-old male lover or oh, something. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there was terrible things. Yeah. There. So. And we still love the art. But I always feel like it's way after that so like i can like picture pages again after bill cosby dies maybe i don't know you just you can't wait to like picture pages again picture pages were so much fun like (laughs) i have to look back on those memories now (laughs) i love those memories of picture pages and watching bill mortimer and Mm -hmm. bill cosby that albert but now i have to pretend to hate those memories Mm -hmm. Even though I couldn't wait, every day when the mail would come, I'd be like, "Is my picture pages in the mail?" That's the, the mailman <laughs> just little right. I'd run out to the mailman like, "Do you have my picture pages?" And if he had them, I'd be so excited. But now I have to pretend to hate those memories. You don't Bill have Cassidy, to. Bill Cosby raped everybody. I'm saying you don't have to. You're giving me permission on behalf of all women on International Women's Day. On International Women's Day, you you can you can like those memories. I can like those memories still. Yeah. I thought I had to suppress those happy memories and make them miserable memories because. They involve Bill Cosby raping people. No, I don't think. Okay. I was just a kid enjoying picture pages. Although I bet DVD box sets of the Cosby show haven't been selling very good lately. No, because all, all the special features are involved him raping everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Here's special features along with the DVD box set and some pills you can take. Yep. Wednesday, August 15th, 1979. Apocalypse Now was the fourth highest growing, grossing movie, and that was released. I've never seen that. $83 million. During the Vietnam War, Captain Willard is sent on a dangerous mission into Cambodia to assassinate a renegade colonel who has set himself up as a god among a local tribe. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Writers John Milius, Francis Ford Coppola, and it stars Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, and Robert Duvall. I saw that. You did? When I was in college. Was it good? I think, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty, you know, it's pretty... Like gritty. Yeah, pretty gritty. Um, that's the, I love the smell of napalm in the mm-hmm. morning. Yeah. Uh, that quote. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember a lot of it because... You were probably stoned. You know, I, I smoked my fair share of marijuana in college. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. No, it's just what happens. It's just what you do in college. It is. Uh, college kids who are listening right now, if you're smoking weed, tweet us at History for Jerks. <laughs> uh, anyway, Lawrence Fishburne was 14 when production began in 1976. He lied about his age. Oh. Most of the dialogue was added in the movie post-production. What? Ex- extraneous noise such as helicopters l- left many scenes with unstable audio. 
So oh. we recorded a lot of it. Francis Ford Coppola mm-hmm. lost 100 pounds while filming. Whoa. Francis Ford Coppola What's shot nearly 200 hours of footage. Mm-hmm. So he lost one pound per hour of footage that he shot. Jeez. Is that the right math? 200 hours of footage, 100 pounds. No. It'd be 100 hours of footage, 100 pounds. No, he lost 100 pounds while filming. So it'd be 50 pounds. And he shot nearly 200 hours of footage. I don't know. Let's not. (laughs) It's too late to do math, I said. Okay. It took Francis Ford Coppola nearly three years to edit the footage. Because he kept falling asleep. No, I don't know why. While working on his final edit, it became apparent to him that Martin Sheen would be needed to tape several additional narrative voiceovers. Coppola soon discovered that Sheen was busy and unable to perform these voiceovers. He then called in Sheen's brother, Joe Estevez, whose voice sounded nearly identical to perform the new narrative tracks. Joe Estevez. Yeah. Estevez was also used as a stand-in when Sheen suffered a heart attack during the shoot in 1976. Estevez was not credited for his work as a stand-in nor for his voiceover work. This was Sheen's brother? Yeah, Martin Sheen's brother. Brother. Martin Sheen's real name is Estevez. Oh, okay. They're all Estevez. Sheen is a stage name. Yeah. That's why Charlie... Why would you pick that as a stage name? Sheen? I don't know. weird name. Well, that's the weird thing. Then the next generation of kids, Charlie Sheen... Yeah, I know. Took took the stage name. But... Emilio Estevez took Estevez. Who knows? I don't know Weird. Anyway. I used to think Emilio Estevez was cute. You did? Yeah. You would. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh, I got another tidbit here, but who cares? Saturday, August 18th, 1979. Mm-hmm. We got another number one single on the motherfucking Billboard charts. And the new number one song on the Billboard charts is a song by Chic. Oh, it's another good one. You like this one? Yep. You know what the name of the song is? Good Times. Good Times by Chic. Ranked number 229 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Yes. It's become one of the most sampled tunes in music history. Wow. Most notably in hip-hop music. Yeah. You know what song this is in? No. Listen to the beat. Is it Rapper's Delight? Yep, Rapper's oh, wow. Delight. Yeah. yeah. If you listen to that, you can hear it. Mm-hmm. Rapper's Delight, We Are Family by Sister Sledge. Yeah. We are Family. Bounce, Rock, Skate, and Roll. Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Wow. Try It Out. By Gino Socio. You don't have to read them all. The Adventures of Grandmaster Flash on the Wheel of Steel. Uh, let's see if any of these other ones you know. A whole bunch of songs. Yeah. Happy Just to Be With You by Michelle Gale. Nope. Around the World by Daft Punk. On and On by Pape, by Proper Dose. Hot, Hot, Hot by The Cure. Everything's Gonna Be Alright by Father MC. Triple Trouble by The Beatsy Boys. Do, oh. do What You Like by Digital Underground. The Reverend by DJ Jesse Jeff and the Fresh Prince. All right, we get the point. Chub Rock, BDP. We get Coolio, the point. Daft Punk again. Honey. Curtis Blow. All right. The Naked Ashakira. Just a lot. It's just a lot. Okay. We got it. So it's, anyway. It's a lot. We got it. It's a lot. That's a good song. It's been sampled by everyone because it's such a funky beat. Yes. And then Friday, August 24th, 1979, Mm -hmm. uh, The Facts of Life was an American sitcom and a spinoff of Different Strokes that originally aired on NBC Mm -hmm. from August 24th, 1979, all the way to May 7th, 1988. Wow. Making it one of the longest running sitcoms of the 1980s, but it debuted here in 79. The series focuses on Edna Garrett, played by Charlotte Ray, yep. the most beautiful woman in the world, and the woman who Brian and Jessica McCartney named their daughter after, <laughs> as she becomes a house mother 
and from the second season onward, a dietitian as well at the fictional East Linden And school. she owns a candy store. Don't forget That's that one. That's later on. An yeah. all-female boarding school in Peekskill, New York. Facts of Life. That's right. Did you ever want to be any of the girls from Facts of Life? No, I wanted to be in that store, though. I wanted. I remember th- thinking I wanted to buy all the stuff in that store that they had. And they had a store in the later years yeah. when George Clooney was there? Yeah. I was always a 2D guy myself. You were? Oh, yeah, 2D. I guess when I was little, I thought Blair was the prettiest one. Mm, yeah, she was a rich snob. Yeah, though. I know. Joe was a lesbian, but yeah. No, she really wasn't. But she was like... She was. Well, now she would be. But then you yeah. weren't allowed to say that. No, but yeah, she was. Saturday, no, not in real life. No, I know, but... I don't think she was supposed to be on the show either. No, no, she's she the one that, dudes. that lost her virginity or something. Oh, she did. One oh, of yeah. them, isn't and that she right? Bled all over the sheets. Yeah, or something. somebody did. Maybe it was Blair. Boy, that was a very special episode, <laughs> wasn't it? Jesus, <laughs> there's like blood everywhere. Yeah, uh, Lord, is that real? Is that is that really happened? I don't know I'm if that really. We might have, we might have both be making that. I think up. I'm making it up. <laughs> I think I'm making this it up. This is a fantasy land. I feel like I kind of remember that though. Why would they do that? Maybe they didn't do that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We're just false false <laughs> allegations on uh, the, yeah. Nancy McKeon. Uh, Saturday, August 25th, 1979. The Knack. My Sharona well, is one. the number one. Becomes the number one. Takes over the Billboard number one spot. I got something. I got some stuff about this song. Oh, this is a good one. This is a great song. Uh, do you know who Sharona is? Uh, I feel like I've heard it before, but I can't think of it right now. First of all, let me tell you that this was certified gold by the Record Industry Association of America, Association of America, representing one million copies sold, and it was Capitol Records' fastest gold status debut single since the Beatles' mm-hmm. "I Want to Hold Your Hand" in wow. 1964. Um, Doug Feger, F-I-E-G-E-R, I think mm-hmm. it's Feger. He was the lead singer of The Knack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wrote this uh, because when he was 25 year old, tri- when he was 25 years old, he met 17 year old Sharona Alperin, oh, who inspired a two month long run of songwriting, as well as becoming Figure's girlfriend for the next four years. Oh wow! She's 17, he's 25. That's, that's not. A, I mean, that's still wrong. Seven. It's it is. But she's 17. Yeah. Anyway. He recounted that it was like getting hit in the head with a baseball bat. I fell in love with her instantly. And when that happened, it sparked something, and I started writing a lot of songs feverishly in a short amount of time. Uh, in 2010, NPR put out an article about uh, the woman behind My Sharona. Uh, it made a star out of its muse, a woman named Sharona. Uh, Fieger unfortunately died in 2010 when they wrote this article uh, he died after a battle with lung cancer and Alperin had stayed friends with him and she was one of the people by his side during those last days oh wow Sharona is now a real estate agent in Los Angeles but she still remembers when she was introduced to Doug Feger by his girlfriend I was about 16 or 17 at the time she said he was 9 years older than me and within a month or two later he told me that I'm in love with you you're my soulmate. You're my other half. We're going to be together one day. And I was madly in love with my boyfriend at the time, so it took a year for me to leave my boyfriend. Jeez. <laughs> she remembers the day she first heard my Sharona before she and Figure were an item. One day on my lunch break at my, from my clothing store, I went to their rehearsal, she says, and I saw a couple of those guys, and they were saying, oh, should we play it? Should we play it? All right, let's play it for her. And I sat down, cut to, I'm driving back to the clothing store, and I'm thinking, did I just hear my uh, song with my name in it? <laughs> uh, and the cover of the single for My Sharona actually features Alperin posing in a revealing tank top and tight jeans. You can see her nipples right through her. Oh, wet. really? Remember when wet t-shirts were popular? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he could just see her nipples through it. Um, and for some time, she was famous in her own right. She said, that was like my normal outfit, what I wore all the time, by the way. Jeez. She always, you could always see her nipples. Uh, I guess I didn't look at myself as a celebrity, but people were very excited when they met me. And I remember going on tour and seeing sometimes people dress up, and I'd say, what are you dressed up as? And they would say, Sharona's. Oh, funny. Anyway, 
She said that not everybody knew that Sharona was a person. They thought maybe it was a thing. In Japan, they thought it was a male organ. That's what she heard. Oh, she thought they thought it was about your dick. Yeah, they thought my penis. My penis. And then, do you think that's been? Do you think probably we should probably cut that short? We should probably end there on my Sharona because. Uh, that is the end of August, and we can catch up in September for the next episode. Yep, that sounds good. This has been episode 55. We'll leave it at My Sharona, which is a great song, some great info about it. And go look up uh, online if you get a chance at work. Uh, check out the single cover. Uh, we can see it on YouTube. And look at those nipples, because yeah, that's what get, my nipples look like right now as I'm excited about ending our 55th episode. All right. Here comes Chuck Berry, babe. Should we recreate that My Sharona? No. With me on it? No, I don't think so. You don't think I don't so? think. Mama, Mama, My Sharona. Okay. But, but, but Joe's nipples. Okay. Anyway, thanks for listening. We care about you all. Um, Rate us, review us, subscribe, please. And do all that. And tell your friends. Like tell everybody. Like don't shut up about it until they until your friends punch you in the face. Um, anyway, thank you for listening, loyal listeners. Uh, Shout out to our new followers and listeners and people that are just discovering us, but they're not listening to this till later if they're listening mm-hmm. to the other ones. So right. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, shout out to everybody. We love you all. Yep. Here uh, comes thanks Matt for the Truman, support. Ego Matt, Trip. Truman, Matt Truman Ego Trip is the name of the band that plays our intro and our outro. They have music available at Bandcamp. It's, it's, it's in the description of this podcast. There's a link to their store buy all their albums because they're great i'm yes. telling you he doesn't have a bad song there's no. not a single one they're all great and i i don't just say that right it's that's real true. good music it's better than most music that's out there today all right get out of definitely, here chuck berry definitely better than post Malone. as a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.